My name is Zach Como, and you're listening to the My Tech Decisions Podcast. Decisions podcast. Like I said, my name is Zach and I'm your host. Uh, by now, we should all be pretty well adjusted to remote work and working from home. I, for one, do not mind my short commute upstairs to my office in the pretty relaxed office environment that allows me to wear slippers while I work. But remote work does have some drawbacks. I have not seen my coworkers since March and I'm getting a little tired of only seeing them in little boxes on my computer screen. Um, According to one study from Microsoft, remote work is having a profound impact on our mental well-being. The company's latest work trends index found that video meetings have increased by 55%, and there are 69% more Microsoft Teams chats taking place after normal working hours. That means that we're working more, and we're blurring the lines between our work and our home lives, and that could be leading to some burnout in this uh, remote work environment. To talk about that is Dan Pipias, a former engineer at Medium and Google, and now co-founder and CEO of Range, a collaboration app designed to help keep teams connected, focused, and productive, regardless of where they're working. Dan and I talk about how the app can reduce remote work burnout, and we share uh, best practices and tips on how to be mindful of your team's mental health in the work-from-home age. Before we get to that interview, here's a quick reminder that the My Tech Decisions podcast is available on iTunes and the Google Play Store. Download and subscribe to hear weekly interviews with experts in IT, AV, cybersecurity, unified communications, collaboration, and more. And now, here's Dan Pupias. Um, yeah, so Dan, could you just tell us about yourself and uh, in Range? Hi, uh, yeah, my name's Dan, I'm co-founder and CEO of Range. We we build software that keeps teams connected and productive. So people use Range to check in with their team. Uh, it's like an async stand-up that people do mostly daily, and that just helps you know what's happening and how everyone's doing. Um, yeah, so uh, we have it here to talk about uh, remote work burnout and um, you know how how to how to keep your teams, I guess, uh, engaged and you know, happy with with their jobs during these pretty difficult times. Um, mm-hmm. You know, what is leading to remote work burnout? Um, I mean, I I actually think that the term remote work burnout might be um, might be problematic because I think the burnout that many people are feeling isn't really the burnout from remote work. It's burnout from economic collapse, uh, six six months of pandemic yeah. and shelter in place, and civil unrest, and a lot of um, difficult situations in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and th- and that's that's what's contributing to a lot of the burnout that I, I see in people. And even in the best of situations, um, that's going to be really um, really difficult for people. Right. Yeah. Good point. Because um, working uh, out of your house doesn't seem that bad, but there is just a, a lot of really crazy things going on in the world. Right. Uh, yeah. I'm, I, and remote work isn't new. People have been doing remote work for. Yeah decades and in the 2008 um, collapse there's actually a big boom in remote work so 
coming out of that um, recession, remote work became much more common. And then you started seeing remote first companies like um, Zapier, Automatic, um, Buffer, and GitLab. And they they operate successfully on long timeframes. Um, I'm sure they have team members that experience burnout in the same way that team members, when I worked in a co-located office in downtown San Francisco, experienced burnout, or I experienced burnout in Mountain View, California. Um, but I, but I, I think the current world and the current year is like significantly different to uh, the status quo and what remote work is for many people. Mm. But there are ways in which we could we could do remote work better to kind of mm-hmm. alleviate uh, the, those mental health issues. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I think, I mean, to get to give the some credit to the question, I, I do I do think many companies are thrown into remote work, so haven't set up the practices and principles that companies like GitLab and Automatic have developed um, to ensure that teams are being effective. Mm-hmm. And when, if you, when you look at the core causes of burnout, it's really about a lack of agency and control. Um, it's really about not, not seeing any self-progression or progression in what you're working on, um, and then not feeling connected um, to a higher, higher purpose, so not understanding where you fit in. Um, and if you've got a lot of the a lot of the ways that companies traditionally solve those problems is really ad hoc and informal and through these interactions that you may, may do in the workplace or so in the kitchen or when you meet someone in the elevator or just at your desk. So I've, as we've gone remote um, really quickly, we don't have the muscle memory or the, the sort of the, the processes to, to, to serve some, some of those needs that prevent burnout. Mm. So I guess how, how do you kind of um, you know, avoid burnout in when you're just, you yeah. know, hold up in your house for seven, eight months. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. Like, honestly, it's difficult. Like I'm, um, I'm the CEO of a company. I have two small kids. Um, it's been a really brutal year and I've definitely been um, skirting in and out of burnout. Um, so I think it's, it's just, it's just really difficult. And I think you have to give yourself a break and you have to give your teams a break and mm. just really say that th- th- these are extenuating circumstances and, um, it's not that you're lacking or that um, like you're a bad person. It's just that you know, the world's throwing a lot at us. Um, but in terms of what a team can do to help, um, I think it's about getting back to fundamentals. So it's really thinking about the fabric of work and making sure that your team have a clear idea of um, where they're going, making sure that information is flowing fluidly so people have the right information to do the right job, and then really focusing on the team connection um, as much as possible so that you have this safe haven within the workplace to uh, to show up to um, and hopefully distract you from some of what's going on in the world. Right. Um, I've, seen, I've seen a bigger emphasis on um, just, you know, results rather than making sure everyone's worked uh, their full 40-hour mm-hmm. work week because I think people are starting to understand that, um, you know, uh, burnout uh, right now is very real. Um, and there's not a whole lot companies can do aside from just kind of taking it easy on their employees. Um, I think there's a lot people can do, um, but also you have to be a little bit forgiving. And the focus on results is good, and it's a trend that we've seen anyway in management theory. So mm-hmm. going back to the, the late 20th century, there's these two theories of management, 3X, 3Y. Um, and theory X was essentially people are intrinsically lazy. And unless you um, observe them and hold a carrot and a stick, they will not perform. Um, 
So that was theory X of management and management theory and had a bunch of practices around that. Theory Y is people are inherently motivated to do good work and um, are excited to achieve. So you create the environment for them to be successful and then they will, they will be successful. So most people subscribe to theory Y these days, um, but they may still borrow management tactics that grew up in like theory X. And that leads to these command and control and micromanaging kind of practices. And the thing about remote work is it's really hard to micromanage someone when you're not sitting next to them. So, so, so one of the benefits of moving to remote is you have to embrace this high trust environment where you give people um, problems instead of solutions and let them um, come up with their own, with their own solutions. And, um, and then you focus on, are they succeeding at their results? Um, instead of are they, you know, typing on the keyboard eight hours a day? Right, right. You know, in in what ways does does range um, solve these issues? Yeah, so I don't think we solve these outright, but we definitely set, help set up a foundation which can prevent it. So we we have this daily check in, which is the this underlying rhythm to the team, where you check in with the team about what you've completed, what work you've done, and then what you're planning to do. And that's really important situational awareness. So I know that you're blocked on something or that you need feedback on a doc or that you've um, you had a, a day full of meetings. That, that context is really important um, in understanding how you're showing up to work and what, and what you're doing. And that's context that if you're in the workplace, you'd see it um, kind of like ambiently. Uh, or I'd see that you're in a, a meeting room all day or that you're, you're, you're seeming really stressed about something. So that's the first thing is about the work. And the second thing is just about you. So we ask a team building question every day, which is kind of like an icebreaker. And it might, this week we've been asking about, um, my team's been having questions about life hacks. So, uh, and it's kind of funny to hear people's life hacks. And these are moments of micro vulnerability where you can connect with your team on a more human level, even though it's asynchronous. And then you share your mood. So mine's been almost perpetually yellow. We have a traffic light system, red, yellow, green, yellow throughout the summer and mostly yeah. sleepy because my daughter's not been sleeping. So yeah. I'm on like five and a half to six hours of sleep a night. Yeah. Um, and just like brutally worn out. But in normal times, that would help you see how your team are doing. Like, do you need to check on the person who's feeling red and like stressed or the person that's sick? So that's the underlying rhythm and that connectivity. And then it provides this foundation which people can reach out to. So over Slack or Zoom, you can jump on a call and say, hey, how's it going? Do you want to talk about that project? Or I see you've been working on this thing for a few days now. Is there anything I can do to help you get unstuck? That kind of thing. How do you, uh, I guess, holistically manage, um, you know, your employees um, in this distributed work environment? Yeah, so it's really about setting up um, a cadence of, we call them an operating cadence, but a, a, a cadence of collaboration. So um, in, in, in person, you, you can get by with these ad hoc interactions, but when you're remote, people's all over the place, you can't see what's happening. So you have to really set that rhythm so we encourage people to think about um, what is their core cadence of collaboration. So for R&D projects and startups, it might be one week or two weeks. For big infrastructure projects, it might be six months or like a quarter. Um, but what's your core cadence? And then you basically layer in these mechanisms. Mechanisms is a, a, way, a, a name for good processes that aren't bureaucratic that help your team collaborate. So to give you a bit of a, um, an example, um, our team meets every Monday morning and we call it the weekly briefing. And it's just a moment to come together. We check in, share how our weekend was doing, uh, how our weekend was. We review core objectives and metrics. And then we um, 
we have a, an open announcement section, and it's really a way of like uh, st book, uh, starting the week. Then throughout the week, we have collab sessions, which are scheduled times where people with op open agendas where people can come and share what they're working on, do demos, um, get feedback, things like that. This this unstructured collaboration time. And then at the end of the week, we have a recap where we look back and we celebrate what we've what we've accomplished, lessons mm. learned, celebrate failures, and th and those are that's like the core to our cadence. Then there's a bunch of other stuff we do through that and on longer timeframes, but that rhythm is what keeps us um, keeps us in sync. And the key as a, a leader isn't to look at practices and figure out okay, what meeting should I have? It's to think about needs. So what does my team need? They need to feel connected. They need to know what they're working on. They need to be able to get help with blockers. And then how do you serve those needs over the course of a week or two weeks or a month? And then what are the processes that allow you to do that? So it might sound like a lot of work, but once it's laid down, it makes everything easier because you just have this rhythm and this drumbeat and you're like, right. um, Wednesdays we do this, Mondays I do this, Fridays I send my report and it's really straightforward. It's kind of like having Wednesdays pizza day, Friday mm -hmm. we do macaroni and cheese. You, yeah. know, you, you just make things simple by laying it down ahead of time. Right. Right. That's something I've noticed that um, I guess helps me is, is having, you know, a more structured schedule to my day rather than, than mm -hmm. you know, waking up, you know, eating breakfast and, you know, going upstairs in my pajamas to get to work. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, so, um, so Keegan and Leahy out of Harvard Business School did some work around this and, the way they talk about it is, it's, is you have this groove to fall, fall back into when things are hard. So if you don't have that foundation, when things get difficult, everything just turns to chaos. Yeah. So if, if you're on the top of your game, the team's on the top of the game, everything's flowing smoothly, you don't need that structure. Right. But the structure is really helpful to catch you when things are difficult. And at the moment, everything is difficult. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so it's really more important to focus on those fundamentals of mm -hmm. how you work together and how you build these, uh, these connections between your team. Yeah. Yeah, for for a few weeks, I was uh, I woke up in my gym my, in my pajamas and I didn't change sometimes at all. If no one came over mm -hmm. or I didn't go anywhere, I'm like, well, but why why would I ever change? And then a, f a few days ago, I was like, you know what, this is probably not not great for for the old brain. Right. So I slapped on some like 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 a polo and like some nice pants, and I was like, wow, I feel one million times better. This I'm, yeah. this is what I usually wear for work. I feel. You know, like I'm back in my routine. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, I think, yeah. I think that matters. Yeah, I think that's that. Even pre-COVID times, this is um, yeah. a challenge for remote people where you have to set up your space, and it has to. Ha you have to put your mind in the context of I'm in the work mode now. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure you've read about um, using screens in bed or watching TV in bed. If you oh, yeah. if you condition your body to watch TV in bed, that becomes where you watch TV, and then it'll like energize yourself. So you should really avoid. TV in bedrooms because you want that to be the sleep mode. But it's the same for work. If you if if you don't have that structure and that you know these bookends of the day, it's just really hard to get your your brain in the right mindset. Right, right. What do you think is going to happen when we go back to work? Is are we just going to be, you know, back to normal, happy all, all of a sudden, or you know, is it going to take? <laughs> you know, what, what's that adjustment going to be like? I think. I mean, I think personally that the, the cat's out of the bag and people realize that they can be productive remotely and many people are finding that this actually works better. Yeah. So I, I don't know the exact data now because but, but, it's changing constantly, but last time I checked, around 4% of people want to re return to the office full-time. That's not many. Now, mm -hmm. there's a huge chunk of people who want to go back part-time. They just don't want to go five days a week. And they, what they realize is there's no real reason for them to be in the office yeah. 40 hours a week. 
So I think that's going to create some pretty fundamental changes where we'll have to figure out um, default digital collaboration where, where not all the team is co-located at any point in time. Some will be remote permanently, some will be remote a few days a week, and some will be in the office all the time. Because honestly, some people, they, you know, they, they just they don't have a good desk at home, they don't have a good work situation at home, and they want to go into the office, so we, so we, need, to, um, we need to do that. Um, in terms of like, everyone being happy again, I'm not completely convinced that everyone was happy before this and that there was a lot of problems right. in workspaces that, and yeah. that's why we founded Range to solve some of those problems. So I think it's going to be a continuous conversation about how do we work better together? How do we empower people to make decisions? How do we avoid controlling oppressive management practices that stifle creativity? Mm-hmm. Um, and, but I do think that there's some good things that will come out of this uh, like experiment, as it were. Yeah, so, I, so on that note, what is this teaching us about, you know, uh, I guess workplace management and how we need to do better. Yeah, I, I mean, for, the way that we look at it is it's really just accelerated a bunch of trends that are happening already, and it's thrown everyone into the situation that was gradually emerging, and, and that that means that many people have just come to terms with it much quicker. And um, I think now it's is is pretty cool and also surprising how many big companies are saying we will not return to the office. You know, we will we are paying you to go like stripe is paying people to go remote now mm. uh, to move to these other places um people people have now embraced this as a, as a completely new paradigm whereas previously it was probably on track to be you know f- a five-year timeline before it was more mainstream it was still relatively fringy um a year ago in the in the realm of like tech and startups but now you have just these big you know big old tech companies who, are, who are, have had to manage it so yeah um how sick are people of video conferencing? So I, for one, am tired of looking at people on this little box on my yeah on my screen, um, and a lot of people are are too. So you know, um, if we're gonna keep this remote work thing going, what needs to change about yeah you know, the, the way we do that? Yeah, it's definitely difficult. Um, I'm I think I've actually come come to terms with it, and I'm I'm okay with it now, especially with our team. Um, yeah. But we've spent a lot of time figuring out how to make it work. Um, so some of the problems for your listeners are obviously Zoom is you have this small box. We're, we're not actually making eye contact because I'm looking at your video and the camera's yeah. up there. Right. Um, a lot of communication is subverbal, so I can't sense your body language, whereas if I'm in a meeting room, I'd have a lot more. Mm-hmm. And then it's um, you can't have multi-threaded conversations. So you're, you're talking and everyone's looking at you. You can't have any side chatter. So it's, it's very unnatural. Um, and, and, and that just causes you, that requires your brain to do just a ton of extra work, which is just like actually exhausting. Mm-hmm. Um, and, that, and that's why people feel just worn out at the end of the day. So I think, I think the solution is to really try and minimize the time on Zoom as much as possible. So move things asynchronous and um, anything that doesn't need to be in person, don't have it in person. So move status updates into text form. So like docs or emails or something like range, mm. um, have collaboration, um, in async in async channels and then come to in-person video chat when you really need to focus on something deep so deep collaboration decision making or um, a conversation that just can't you know you can't have you don't have the bandwidth over these other other channels um so that's, that's one thing and then maybe limiting it to like three or four hours a day absolute max but then it's also about building that those relationships with your team and making sure that you feel comfortable with each other um and we, we do we do some pretty silly things at range to, to help with that. Um, so 
like our product team, if they finish their meeting 15 minutes early, they'll play games. So like a quiz or an online game. And that's just a way of yeah, that's fun. humanizing a team. And it's just, you know, it's just a bit more fun. Yeah. Awesome. Um, Dan, how do you say your last name? Sorry, don't Pupius. 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 Gotcha. Awesome. Well, uh, Dan, thanks very much. I appreciate your time. Yeah, happy, happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to another episode of the My Tech Decisions podcast, where it's our mission to help you make technology decisions for your company. If you would like to learn more, head to mytechdecisions.com or follow us on Twitter at mytechdecisions. You can also follow me on Twitter at ZWComo. Until next time.